So here's the quote. It was from Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, says, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl, but by all means, keep moving. It's a pretty good quote. Martin Luther King, pretty smart guy. Um, but this student sent it to me, or yeah, sent it to me a couple weeks ago, and I don't think he knew um, what, how it was kind of hitting me. So I'm going to give you a little background to this message, and I, I promise it, it, it matters, but it matters more to me than it does probably to you. I'm an odd duck. You already know that. Um, and for me to feel connected to people, it's got to be kind of a, not just a monologue. It's got, I got to, I got, I need to feel a little back and forth. So I just want to give you a little history. Um, I've been kind of pensive or reflective lately in part because next week, um, nine years ago is when I started interviewing with the executive team. And early October, um, nine years ago, uh, is when I came here to preach as a candidate. You issued a call a couple of weeks later, that right at the end of October. And so Lynn and I were in the discernment process of trying to figure out if this is where the Lord was calling me, as you were in the discernment process, to, to, to discern the same thing, whether the Lord was calling me, us, here. Um, but it's also, last week, September 1st, um, takes me back 30 years when I, I've been in church ministry for 30 years. Starting, I started at Heart of White Christian Reformed Church on September 1, 1991. Um, and we've just come through this big, and I don't know that we're done with it, but this whole pandemic thing. The last year and a half has a very, been a very strange time for all of you. It's a very strange time to be a pastor. Um, so all that stuff's going on. I, all, I know all the stuff. Uh, we just had that big video about it. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff coming up um, w- within our denomination. And that is not something any of us signed up to walk through. So it's just a time of, <sighs> and what do you want, Lord? So last week, I sat down after this message, I sat down right there. And with the last song I was going, trying to think of, okay, what might I say right at the end of the, of the message, some encouraging word. And I'm like, encouraging? I could use some encouragement right now because I'm just, just kind of feeling it's been intense. Just been intense. And you've probably had some intensity to it uh, in the last year and a half. But for me, if, if I read the scriptures, and I do, but if I read them de- devotionally, I'm usually looking for a wow moment. Like, Wow. Or, wow. And my tendency is the Lord ministers to me when, when I get one of those wows. Like, Trent, you're supposed to be, you shouldn't be thinking about people like that. You got to keep your temper here. You got to, you know, control, hold every thought captive. So, and that's usually my theory or my philosophy, my theology of preaching is um, work on the scriptures till they work on me. And the work he's doing in me is probably some indicator of the work he wants to do in, in his people. So often, I'm kind of the fiery one. I mean, I was introduced that way one time when all the pastors were being introduced. This is Trent. He's the fiery one. So a lot of times, my messages are pretty intense. And I got done. I sat down last week, and I went, man, I need some encouragement. Well, okay, Lord, you're kind of telling me they need some encouragement. Okay. So I started working on it on Monday. Um, found this passage in Philippians, which I can read right over because I'm usually looking for the wow and not the wow, uh, and walked through the week, but something didn't sit right. Something was like, I don't know. This doesn't fit me. Um, it, I, I, and I've got this list of things I'm going to tell you today. And then Friday morning, I show up to um, Simpatico. 
of a group of guys, four guys, uh, me and three others, that have been meeting together for over 15 years. And we've shut down every coffee shop we've ever gone to. So simpatico, watch out. Because usually after we start meeting, a year or two later, that, that business just shuts down. So, but we, we were there and we're old now. So when we started this, we were young and we're saying, we're going to be those old guys with our pants pulled up to here, complaining about the weather and all of our ailments. And now we are. And we, we, we sat over in the Simpatico, there's this little sofa area, and we sat over there on Friday, and, and it got real. Um, I've got this polymyalgia rheumatica thing going on, uh, many pains that isn't rheumatoid, that's what it means. And then I've got one guy who started a business, invested most of his money into a business that he started in January of 2020. I think that's gone. Another guy who's a big athlete, uh, big runner, he has arterial arterial sclerosis. And another who's a marathon runner, um, about five years ago, he had a virus that attacked his heart and his ejection fraction in his heart had gone down to 17. He has a pacemaker. He's 55 years old. And so we're sitting there. There's some discouragement in the room. And then we've got parents that are ailing or have recently died. And we, so it just got real and it was really good. And we're sitting there talking and a guy walks in right behind us. And I look up over by that where he's ordering his coffee. And he, and he has a walk that's very distinct. It's got a little pigeon toe to it. And, and, and I'm like, man, that looks like Matt Yount. Pastor Matt from Ridgepoint. And, and I've known Matt for ni- uh, since 1991. And, but I can't tell for sure. I can't see his face. And he, the guy goes and sits down and he comes back up to order something else or whatever. And I hear his voice. I'm like, that's Matt. Matt! And he comes over and he goes, hey brother, how you doing? What a great day it is. And I'm like, you're a little too high up on the whole enthusiasm scale. Um, I know the sun came up today, but it comes up most days. Um, so and so I'm, I'm not off put, but I introduced him to, to the two guys that are still there. And, and uh, he you know, introduced him. And he's just, just full of yes. And he goes, how you doing? I said, well, it's been a really weird time to be a pastor. He goes, yeah, but God's in control. And he's making all things new. And I'm like, yeah, but we might have to get, it might get worse before it gets better. He goes, I'm still fine. Good to go. And he walks over and he sits down alone and I'm like, whew. Kind of like Danny was on the announcements here a minute ago. And so we finished our conversation. I walk over to him and I'm like, man, man, it seems like you're doing pretty well. And he goes, you know, and he's been in a similar state as me. I've been in, he'd been in uh, church ministry for about 30 years. He, he recently turned 50. He, it's a weird time to be a pastor and he's kind of reevaluating. And he took all of his vacation and did it in one stretch. He did a month off. And he said, the first three weeks, I'm just, Lord, am I called to still do this? Am I called to still do this? Am I, am I walking through, am I doing the right things? What do, you, what do you want from me? And he's been honest with his elders about it and, and all that. But he says the first three weeks were anxiety filled. But the last one, God showed up. And he just renewed in me a right spirit. And I got to tell you, that was kind of contagious. It was frustrating at first, but it was kind of contagious. And it confirmed in me, because I had time, my brain works pretty quick, I had time to redo this message and offer more of what I would normally do. Um, but it seemed a confirmation that if, if I need encouragement and Matt needed encouragement, others need encouragement, that maybe you as the body of Christ that is Community Reformed Church need encouragement today. So I'm going to tell you in the na- last nine years, some of the things of many, some of the things that I've seen that you're doing that is amazing. And I'm going to tell you some of the things you might not even know. But if you don't know, when you hear something new, just rejoice and be glad in it. There's no intensive, no, no intensity of, of um, ch- you need to change, you need to do this. It's just today, I just want you to hear 
Well done, good and faithful servant. So let me pray. We'll read a passage from, uh, from Philippians 1, and then I just get to brag on you for a while. If Paul can do it to the church in Philippi, then I'm allowed to do it with you. Let's pray. That was a long intro. I told you. Lord, you're the one who began a good work in this church 54 years ago. And you are carrying it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is what you want your people to hear today. I'm convinced of that. So Lord, with your spirit in me, let me speak with the enthusiasm. Let me know the right stories to tell, to highlight certain things and give your people eyes to see that you're at work, ears to hear that you love them and hearts to receive your encouragement to them today. My gratitude to them, your encouragement to them. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Paul, I think Philippians was Paul's favorite church. Uh, I did have someone afterwards that disagreed with me after the last service, and that was fine. Um, but Paul, so this, this, these letters always start off a little weird for us. Um, there's the who it's from, there's the who it's to, then there's the grace and peace, and then they get into the body. So it reads like this. Paul and Timothy, they're the authors of the letter, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in, in Christ Jesus in, at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of the partnership, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you, about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, it's just an intro Thanksgiving thing that Paul issues here. But that whole idea that this is my prayer and it's just that you may abound even more and that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You have done as a 54-year-old church, we're the, we were a church plant um, five decades ago. Some of the churches in classes Holland, they needed a fourth reformed church in the area. And so some people, there was a meeting and some people decided to leave the churches where they were already established and form something new. And they started at Roosevelt School um, with a, uh, a skating rink organ was playing for the music back then. And they purchased this gladiola field on the corner of 104th and Felch. And they started building a building, which is now what we call the Mosaic Worship Center. And they called their first pastor, Irv Jungling. And things have just gone and gone and gone and gone and gone since then. But you are not only the recipients of the work that God began back then, but you are the continual, the, the continuation of the good work that God began, and he will carry it on to completion. So I'll only tell you a few things about you that you may, may or may not recognize. This week, on Thursday, the first, the first Thursday of every month, we serve, uh, you serve 120 plus families who are food insecure. Uh, they, they, they show up since the COVID thing, they show up and they line up their cars all the way around the building. And 40 plus volunteers gather, uh, gather the food together that everyone has a job to do and it, the logistics of it are amazing. People 
get fed. Now, it was one thing pre-COVID. There were people that were, many people that were, that were food insecure, but now so many people, their jobs are gone. The businesses that they work for are gone. They haven't been hired back or they have, they, they have health risks and they can't be there. Some people, when you see the cars going, going by here, you kind of go, really? That's a nice car. But th- those are people that have lost jobs or just are in a spot of insecurity. They never knew. And you, you feed those people. You make sure that they have not, not food, not like food that you would get at a convenience store. It's food. It's good food. It's comfort food. It's nourishing food. And it's a lot. So for a week or more every month, people that are food insecure have food. And if they need something in the, in the meantime, we have a mobile food pantry sitting out here that they can come and leave something if they have extra and take something from them. But what you might not know is how much work goes into making that happen on a Thursday. The Monday before the first Thursday of the month, there's a group of people, volunteers and staff, they gather all the staff trucks and they go to Allegan and they pick up all this food on pallets and then they bring it back here. The stuff that's dry and doesn't need to be refrigerated goes here and others, they, they, they pack up and they take over to First Reform because they have a walk-in freezer that's inside. But they, so they take all that, unload it, leave it there, thanks to First Reformed Church for letting us use it. And then on Thursday, they have to go back and this pallets of food and they get it back so that we're ready so that when people come by, their food is well cared for, they are well cared for, and our volunteers can just love them. Well done. Whether you've ever volunteered or not, you provide resources and some of your children or relatives or friends are making sure that happens. One of the things that we do at, at, at our... At our uh, most of our meetings is we, we tattle on each other. Um, I, I call it tattling because, like, let's say that I see, let's say Bree's over here. Let's say that Bree at the kickoff, um, there's a lot of people, and, and she's very social, and she's, she's communicating with everybody, but she keeps seeing that people after the ice cream little spot over, I think it's going to be right out there, that they take the wrapper and they throw it on the floor. And she, instead of coming down on them. She, if I just watch her reach down and pick it up and make sure that area is still clean, I might share that. Like I'm sharing a win. I want to tell you how, even though it's not Bree's job, she, I saw her do this thing that was kind of above and beyond or wasn't her station, but she was willing to serve anyway. So we try to set the environment for a meeting by sharing wins. And this week I asked the, the executive team, just tell me some things you really love about your church. One of the things that came up was the, 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 the many worship opportunities and styles that we offer. And there are those of us that, that are like, yeah, but we should all be together. We should all be in one thing. And, and, and I understand the sentiment of that. Of that. I do. I do, but I, but I also, there's some beauty in how we do it here because a family, let's say that the, your worship time that you really like is about the nine o'clock hour and you have uh, parents or grandparents that really love uh, the more classical stuff and you have others that really want the Kurt Dykema type of, of music and they can stay in the same church, show up at the same time, separate by a hallway for the worship service and they're getting the same message, come back together and all go to someone's house for lunch without having to split up and go to different churches. There's something beautiful about that. And that's the whole thing that we're starting, that we're trying to, to start and renew at Mosaic. It's a wonderful thing. When, there, when you hear of a need, you meet it. I heard uh, this, this summer, uh, we heard from Love for a Child. And the foster kids, many of them who have been abused, mistreated, abandoned, uh, that they, they wanted to provide them in Jesus' name and to hear the gospel, but they wanted to provide them a good, solid week at camp to just be a kid. And you heard that need. And I think that we had an audacious goal that we want to provide a camp experience for 40 kids. 
That's every kid that went, by the way. And we did it. And not only that, but we had more money that was raised to make that happen. And on top of that, someone through our online thing, I, I don't know who, who it is, but uh, uh, Jim told me about it. Someone called Jim and said that they, they wanted to know what that ministry was because in their estate, they would like to make sure that ministry is part of their estate when they do pass on so that that ministry to foster kids continues to be blessed. That is amazing. Now, there are plenty of other needs that have come up over time. I mean, I could go, I don't have that kind of time, but Every time you hear of a need, you meet it. When I got home from Florida last year after my dad had died, there were, I believe, 73 cards waiting for me for sympathy. And I know that that happens to everybody that loses someone or everyone that has a surgery or is convalescing in some way. And I read them. And um, I'm a guy, so normally I don't read cards. You know, when grandma gives you a card when you're 14, you pretend to read it and you're just hoping there's a check on the inside, you know Okay, just me. Um, but almost every, almost every one of those 73 cards has had a, a specific personal thing. So I got home from a difficult time, um, and I got blessed by my church family uh, when I got home. So I felt connected to you again, even though I hadn't seen you in two weeks. And I know you do that for just about every need and every loss that you hear about. We've planted dozens of churches, if not hundreds of churches, in India and Hungary. And I want to tell you something about Hungary. Hungary was, when we started planting churches there, was less than 2% Christian. It was the most secularized European country in the world. And we started planting churches over there with four other RCA churches in the area. It's a glorious thing. Um, but just about at the same time, God started doing something. I'm not saying we caused this, but God started doing something. And he started raising up leaders in Hungary. And there is a great awakening for the faith happening in Hungary right now. In fact, they want to have more and more children raised up as Christians. Um, and they've, the government's even incentivizing Hungarians to get married and to buy a home and to have children. If you get married and you buy a home and you have a first child, the government will pay one quarter of your mortgage. If you have four children, you own your house free and clear. And so it's encouraging families to stay together and to raise children up with Christian values. And we happen to be a part of, of growing something up as God begins a new work in Hungary. Hungary was a former Soviet bloc country and it killed the church. The state church in Hungary, um, which we wouldn't have in the United States, but the state church is the reformed church. And they got beat down so bad by the Soviets that that the church was barely hanging on. And now new churches are being planted and the president of the, comp of the country is saying, he might be prime minister, I don't know, but it's telling people that we are a Christian nation and we want to raise our kids up with Christian values. And we got to be a part of that very early on when that was just starting as a nugget of something God was doing. And we're planting churches not only in India and Hungary, but we're planting churches here. We have one already on the north side of Holland, Gospel Community Church. And I'm going to tell you something about that church. This is one story about one person uh, that the whole that whole church is, is is helping, but they have a they have a ministry to the homeless camps in the area, and the staff person that, that has the most contact with the homeless uh, with the homeless in that area, um, he says that he looks like he's homeless, so that's why they trust him. 
But he's provided mobile food pantries over there. They let him in, so many of these homeless camps are hidden. And he's working to and hoping to, sometime this winter, uh, have a traveling trailer that has showers in it so that they can get a shower, be cleaned up, and go look for work. And one guy, they helped find a job. He had no driver's license, no social security number, didn't have a birth certificate. He's been homeless for a dozen or more years. And they helped him find a job. And he started working. I met this guy a couple months ago when I preached there. And uh, he started work that next morning at a, at a food service provider. Could be a restaurant. I'm just, I don't want to call anyone down on that, but, uh, and he worked all day long. And then at the end of the day, because he didn't have an idea, social security number or a place to live, they decided they just weren't going to pay him. And so they realized that this, the staff person realizes that this is a problem. So he started working with that particular person to find, he thought he was born in Arkansas. It turns out he was born like Ypsilanti or something, but they found his, they got him a birth certificate. They got him a social security card. They got him an ID and they got his stimulus, backdated stimulus and his backdated, uh, uh, um, Social Security, SSI, Social Security, and, and uh, I'm losing the word, Dis- disability. Um, he ended up with checks for $114,000. You know how life-changing going from homelessness to having 100 grand in the, and he, he doesn't want to waste it. He doesn't want to ruin it. So he's entrusted their care for that account that holds that money. And he's now living in a hotel looking for a trailer or for an apartment. It's really hard to find those things right now. But he, and, and he, he asked them, when I come and ask you for money, ask me why I want it. So it's a life-changing thing. It's one person. It's a life-changing thing that you have been a part of and you didn't even know it. That you, because you have blessed and willing to give resources to planting a church that isn't going to benefit you, is benefiting people of eternal value and of physical temporal value today. That is an amazing story. And we hope that that man's going to be interviewed and we'll be able to play it up here on the LED wall for you in a couple of weeks, but it'll all, it's his story to tell. So we, we hope and we'll see. You've built countless houses for Casas Por Cristo. You have a ministry to the deaf in Jamaica through, uh, Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf. You feed children and provide indigenous leadership opportunities in Dominican Republic through Mika's Lunch. You have evangelized people on at least five of the world's seven continents. Both our men's ministries and our women's ministries have participants ranging in age from their 20s to their 80s. During the pandemic, you continued your gracious giving to your local church. Pastor Doug and I had to meet the first week of shutdown because we thought people are going to get afraid. No one knows what the future holds. Everyone's going to be holding on tight to their, to their resources. Completely understandable. So we started walking through a plan of if we, if people stop giving and we can't meet, who do we need to let go? How do we keep the body of Christ alive? What amputations and major surgeries do we need to do? Who has to go? We never had to institute any of that plan. Not one of your staff has ever missed a paycheck because there weren't funds to do it. And not one of your missionaries, whether, be, whether they be in Allendale, in Anvil, in Guatemala, or New Zealand, not one of them has missed one penny that we have promised them, at least in the last decade. Well done. We were able to repave the church parking lot with cash. Now, I don't even want to tell you how much that cost. But I can guarantee you, as a pastor or as consistory, raising money for a new nursery is not that hard. Raising money for new seats in a, that you can sit on, not that hard. Raising money to repave a parking lot, 
I mean, think about it. At the end of the year, let's say you get a bonus and you have an extra $1,000 you want to give away. And you call the church, say where, you might say where it's most needed, but no one will go, I want to make sure that you tear up the parking lot. I'm sick of the grass growing up in those little cracks. I want you to tear it all up and repave it and put new stripes on it. And I want to make sure that happens. It just doesn't happen. But because we've been saving and you've been generous throughout the years, um, we've been able to write the check two days after it was completed. That is astounding whether you think it is or not. Twenty-five dollars to $30,000 of the $73,000 that we need for a new mobile food pantry freezer, walk-in freezer, and walk-in chiller that's going to go right outside of the, right outside of this, somewhere outside of this entrance over here. People have heard, we haven't even announced it, but we, people have heard whispers of it, and twenty-five dollars to $30,000 of the $73,000 needed has already been donated so that we can feed people that are food insecure. Grand Valley State University Campus Ministries, I don't know if we're their number one church donor, but we're number two. And they went through a pandemic year where they have, it's a secular campus, they have hundreds of students. They sometimes have to turn them away for their worship services. They're doing an amazing job. And every time you hear about it, you donate. Every time you hear about it, you support it. And not one of their staff, even though the whole campus shut down basically for a year and they couldn't meet and they, you continued to support them, to love them. And not one of their staff people had to worry about whether they were gonna feed their own children. You have provided a culture where members of the staff can learn, grow, evolve into different roles and responsibilities. I look at Bree over here. Bree was a reluctant intern. How many years ago? Five years ago. She came as a youth ministry intern. And she, she said she wasn't going to do it. And then she said she wasn't going to do it. And then she did it. And then she became our associate student ministries director. She wasn't going to do it. She wasn't going to do it. And then she did it. And now she's our director of student ministries. You think about Melissa Overway, Mo, who when I got here, I think they gave her $500 a year to help out with the children's ministries. But now she's grown into being a coordinator. And now she's a director. And she's, she's, she's been equipped to do the good work that she's doing because of you. You believing in her. You allowing her to evolve and morph. You allowing her to grow. You have a generous spirit, whether you know it or not. And that is indicative of the person of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you and what he's produced in you. You have an encouraging spirit and you may not know it, but it is not hard. We've just, we had four vacancies on our staff in the last month and we've just filled them all, but we are not a church that has to go find someone to be here. We're a church that people want to come serve. Why? Because of you because of the attitude that you have, because of the spirit that you have, because of the prayerful, um, the, the prayerful approach that you have, and because you're willing to trust God and his church with your resources. You minister men to women, children, and students, to the bereaved through grief share, to, the, to those going through divorce through divorce care, to families struggling to understand that all the new conversations and, and, and discussions surrounding human sexuality through grace and truth, to neighborhood children through vacation Bible school, to people all around the, uh, this, the, the country and around the world through our live stream options. You care for the poor. You love the hurting. You multiply leaders. You support other ministries. You love your neighbor even if you don't know who they are. Our city, our county, our region, even our world is better off because Community Reformed Church is here. 
And I don't say that lightly. I honestly believe that Zealand, Michigan, and maybe Ottawa County as a whole, if this church closed its doors and, and we just bulldozed the whole building and all of you just stopped going to church, I think that Zealand, Michigan, and Ottawa County would grieve because of how involved you are in the community, how much you bless, how much you care, how much you pray, and just who you are. You have navigated some of the most accusatory and untrustworthy times in our nation's history, and you're still faithful. You do your best not to judge those who judge you. You do not return evil with evil, but evil with kindness. You pray for those you disagree with, even your political leaders, because God says, pray for those in authority over you. And for the most part, and I don't mean that as a negative, for the most part, we've all had our moments. For the most part, you haven't envied or boasted. You've been humble and not proud. You've not been easily angered and you haven't kept record of wrongs. You've not delighted in the evil of this world, but you've rejoiced in the truth. You have protected, you've been trustworthy, and you've been full of hope. You have persevered and you, we, this church, will not fail as long as we trust the one who began a good work in us that he will indeed carry it on to completion. I gotta tell you this, and this is, I'm not trying to make the beginning and the end of this message about me. I just wanna tell you what, what changed this week. Circumstances, nothing. Last week, man, I need some encouragement. This week, I am encouraged and nothing's changed except realizing who you are realizing what God has done in you, is doing in you, and will continue to do in you. And I hope to God that you hear some of these things and you go, yeah, it's pretty good. God is still faithful and he doesn't just do for us, he does through us for others. Praise be to God. And thank you, Church of Jesus Christ at the corner of Felch, and 104th. Well done, good and faithful servants. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for using even us. We bless you for who you are and for what you do for us, in us, and through us. Give us the courage to continue to live a life that brings glory to God our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.